one. And he became one of us. And that is cause for great celebration. And at the same time, during Advent, we remember that we live in the now and not yet kingdom where we are still waiting for that coming day where Jesus will once again break into human history. And hopefully, since we are so good at multitasking, hopefully we can also hold in our, in our thoughts and our thinking a third truth, which is that what Christmas did was set into motion an opportunity an opportunity for us to experience life in an entirely different way. A way of life that Jesus began to model for us from the very second that the spark of his human life entered the womb of a teenage girl in Nazareth. And that's been the focus of this Advent series that we've been in. The humble king Royalty meets humility at Christmas. Because you see, it is not enough. It is not enough to talk about the fact that Jesus came. We have to talk about the way in which he came. Because that in turn informs us of the way that we are invited to walk when we follow in his footsteps. And so we've been reflecting together over the last several weeks on the wonderful passage of scripture that's in the book of Philippians, chapter 2, the first half, verses 1 through 11. And I want to read through that entire passage as we begin today. Again, the words will be on the screen behind me, but feel free to grab a Bible out of the windowsill if you're a paper kind of a person, and also feel free to pull out your device. We do have Wi-Fi, and it is working this morning, so. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Paul says this, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness or compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Verse 6, he he tells us what that looks like. Jesus, who being in very nature God, he was God. He did not consider that equality with God something that he would use to his own advantage. Instead, rather, Jesus made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant And being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death 
on a cross. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name, that at that name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. That is the Savior that we have. What a Savior we have. What a reason for us to celebrate. What a reason for us to celebrate. And this is why, this is why Christmas wrecks me. Just wrecks me. This is why I have 18 nativity scenes. And why... Every single year, tears roll down my cheeks as I pull each one out of the box and I, I, I set up each one and I reflect on the characters in the scene and on the character of the one that is central in the set, the character of Jesus, the character of our Savior who was willing to lay aside perfection and a divine nature He chose to become small. He chose to become dependent and submitted. And why? Why, why, why did Jesus do this? For love. It was love. For love of you for love of me, and for love of the entire world. That's the motivation. That's the most basic truth of our faith, isn't it? John 3, 16, that any Sunday school kid can quote, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so with the the Appearance of Jesus on earth in human form comes this invitation to begin to live in this eternal life here and now. We no longer have to wait for death to change us because we have already been changed. We are already what Dallas Willard refers to as unceasing spiritual beings with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. Our eternal life starts the second we want it to, and it continues forever. On and on and on. We live in the kingdom of heaven now, and we advance the kingdom of heaven on this earth every time we choose to live differently, to love differently. Love. First John 4.19 tells us that we love because he first loved us. And it is important to grasp this truth as tightly as we can. This truth, Jesus loves us. He really, really loves us. Really, really he does. That was and it continues to be the motivation of all of his activity toward us. 
his great love. And, and it's worth noting briefly, I think, that when I say he loves us, he means the real us. Not the polished version of ourselves that we sometimes think we hide behind. The real us. So I think about this at Christmas too because it was 23 years ago, the day after Christmas, um, that Vince and I met each other for the first time. So no kidding, he picked me up on a street corner it's a, it's, it's a great story. I don't have time to tell it today, but ask me sometime. Anyway, we had a very long car ride together, and, and, and the first day that we met, we felt this instant connection. However, I am not sure that I have ever at any other time in my life been quite so terrified and quite so anxious uh, is that moment that he wanted to stop at McDonald's to grab a quick breakfast before we arrived at our destination. There was no way I was going to eat in front of this guy. No way. So first of all, I never had braces, and so there's a couple of my teeth, and I'm a little, they're a little bit wonky. I don't know. I, you probably haven't noticed, but you will now because I said something about it. Um, I think I look weird when I chew, and, and the noises that we make, like, no, nope, nope. I lied like a professional poker player, and I said, I am not hungry, just the coffee, thanks. And I didn't eat in front of him for months. <laughs> and looking back on it now, after 22 years of marriage, right, it seems kind of silly, seems really silly. Now, after we have seen each other, the two of us, literally and, and figuratively in our very best and our very worst moments. But isn't that, like, it makes me so sad. Isn't that what we do with Jesus sometimes? We, we hide from him as though we are afraid he won't love us if he sees the real us. But what can compare to that feeling of being seen for who you really are at any given moment, good or bad, whatever it is, and in that place to be fully loved and fully accepted? Nothing compares to that. Nothing compares to that. And I think that God knew that humans would never have allowed him the opportunity to love us that way until he became one of us. We can trust Jesus to love us because he is us. What a gift! What a gift. This is what we celebrate at Christmas. But before we say our amens and we go about the business of basking in the warmth of love and acceptance, Paul wants to ask us something very important. And so back to Philippians 2, 
we're going to go. I'm going to read the first couple of verses here again. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, if you understand everything I just said and you have a full realization and acceptance in your life that Jesus loves you just the way you are, at your best and at your worst, and that there's nothing you could do to make him love you any more and nothing you could do to make him love you any less. If you understand all of that, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. So there's another side to Christmas. That same love we have received, we are invited to give. We're invited to grow. And we are invited to spread. Being like-minded. Having the same love. And this doesn't come any more natural to us than accepting love for ourselves, does it? To love others the way that Jesus loves. But this is what's true. We can learn. We can I am not saying it's easy, because I would never lie to you guys. But I am saying that it's possible. And I am saying that it is part of the package that we unwrap when we receive the gift of a Savior who implores us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. But to learn to love like Jesus requires difficult decisions for which we need to tap into the humility of Jesus. This is where his humility comes in. Tim Keller is a well-known pastor and an author. In a 2001 sermon, he said this, Christmas is the end of you thinking you are better than someone else. Because Christmas is telling you that you could never get to heaven on your own. God had to come to you. Christmas is the end of thinking you were better than someone else. And Martin Luther similarly challenged his listeners in his his, uh, 1543 Christmas sermon. If only I had been there, he imagines us saying, how quick I would have been to help the baby. And Luther says, you only say that because you know how great Christ is. But if you had been there at that time, you would have done no better than the people of Bethlehem. Why don't you do it now? You have Christ in your neighbor. You ought to serve him for what you do to your neighbor in need. You do to the Lord Christ himself. And just so I can throw in one more famous preacher, this is from a sermon called God is in the Manger. 
Jesus stands at the door knocking. In total reality, he comes in the form of a beggar, of the dissolute human child in ragged clothes asking for help. He confronts you in every person that you meet. As long as there are people, Christ will walk the earth as your neighbor, as the one through whom God calls you, speaks to you, and makes demands of you. And that is the great seriousness and the great blessedness of the Advent message. Christ is standing at the door. He lives in the form of a human being among us. And that's from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I particularly appreciate Bonhoeffer weighing in on this topic because he was a man that ministered in Nazi Germany during the time of the rise of the the Nazi party and when Hitler was coming to power. And ultimately, he died in a concentration camp but not before he was one of the very few voices that were standing up and telling the Christians of the day that they should not turn a blind eye to what was happening to the Jewish people. So I think he knows what he's talking about when it comes to learning to love under difficult circumstances. He's got some serious credibility when it comes to this topic. We can learn how to love those who are different from us. We can. It is possible. And we can do it the same way we learn to accept Jesus' love for ourselves. It is by recognizing and calling out the humanity of the one who stands in front of us. Jesus became a human, and it is because of his human nature that we are able to recognize his trustworthiness and the way that he loves us by recognizing his humanity. And in the same way, every single person that you ever meet is first and foremost, no matter what else is true of them, first and foremost, they are a human being worthy of being loved as such. And we make that connection the same way that Jesus made that connection with us long ago on that first Christmas day. I've heard it said, and I love this, I've heard it said that the shortest distance between two people is a story. The shortest distance between two people is a story. What did Jesus do when he became flesh and moved into the neighborhood? As it says in John 1.14 in the message version, which I just love. He entered into our human story. He became one of us so that he could learn firsthand. Isn't it strange to think about God learning? But that's what Jesus did. He postured himself in such a way he became one of us so that he could learn about both our our powers and our limitations 
and our hopes and our dreams and our fears and our struggles and our weakness and our pain and our joys and our triumph. He learned what it was to be human. And to do that, he had to marginalize himself to be close to us. And that's all it takes for us to start. Entering into someone else's story to understand how they have become who they are. This is what closes the distance that difference creates. So a couple of things that I'm asking you to do in light of the reality of the way that Jesus brought love into the world at Christmas. I'm asking you to remember that you are valuable beyond your comprehension valuable beyond your comprehension, just exactly the way you are. Never mind the things that you keep hidden and that I keep hidden that we would be horrified the person to our left or to our right would find out about us. Never mind that. Jesus left his heavenly throne for a bed of scratchy straw, knowing all of that. Wanting to be near to you, as near as you will let him come. So I'm asking you to remember that about yourself. And I'm asking you if you would enter into someone else's story. I don't know who that will be for you. I don't know. We don't have to make this super complicated. It is whoever you find in front of you. When your kids are bouncing off the walls the next couple of days because they're out of school and, and they're, just, they're going crazy and you just want to pinch their little heads off, Maybe try to remember what it felt like to be a kid waiting for Christmas. And also the fact that they've probably had more sugar like this week than they've had the entire rest of the year. That could be part of the story. Maybe your spouse is a little bit touchy, a little bit cranky. Instead of retaliating, you ask why. And you find out about all of the stress and the anxiety that they're carrying because they're nervous about interacting with family members at gatherings, you know, people that they have strained relationships with. That could be part of the story. Could be a stranger. Could be a stranger. When it's crowded at Walmart tomorrow night on Christmas Eve, Be kind to your cashier. Maybe ask them what they're looking forward to when it comes to their celebration of the holidays with their family. Because listen, I mean, you guys, I always tell you the truth. If you go to Walmart tomorrow night because you waited to shop and you are cranky because you have to wait in line, like that's on you. (laughs) 
Don't take it out on your cashier. It's Christmas Eve. It's going to be busy. Word, can I get an amen? And I hope whatever it is, whatever it is, whoever you find in front of you if, if you, if you see a homeless person on the corner, if you cross paths with a woman in a hijab, I hope that you will remember this and at the very least smile warmly and notice there is a human being in front of you. Call out the humanity in the person that stands in front of you this holiday season. Because Jesus came, we know that we are loved. And we can extend that same love to those that are around us. Both of these things will be in process for as long as we live. But we can start now. We can start where we are. And we can trust that with God's help, Tomorrow, we'll find ourselves a little bit further along than we are today. And that's what it means that love has come at Christmas. So let's pray.